Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Richardson, with a new and hopefully regular series exploring gaming historia and obscura, from titles which define the industry to forgotten or unknown gems that frankly deserve more attention, and inevitably at some point down the line, Shenmue. Now, I quite wanted to call this the South Bank Show, though that was understandably shot down with silence, so, you know, we'll see how that evolves in the weeks to come. And today we're starting with a real biggie, a game which honestly couldn't be any less obscure or more important and it's super mario 64 now when mario 64 was launched in 1996 as an accompaniment to nintendo's newest hardware the n64 it fundamentally revolutionized the video game landscape effectively setting the template for the industry's wholesale leap into 3d and though it wasn't strictly the first fully 3d game it pretty much taught every other developer just how to pull it off from the way mario controlled to its novel lucky two camera a camera which was so novel in fact that nintendo patented it game it, it was no mere tech demo it was also a perfectly polished title in its own right bursting with the sort of invention and personality typical of nintendo's flagship content it's a game that frankly anyone with even the vaguest interest in gaming history owes it to themselves to play even is as we're probably about to learn some of the things that wowed us a quarter of a century ago uh, are probably its most frustrating off-putting aspects today now, today I'm joined by What Culture Music's literal Man of Steel and a fellow Nintendo fanatic, James Douse, one oh. of two people who actually bought the Wii U. James, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you, Benjamin. How are very you? good. Now, you recently played through Mario 64 for the very first time. Yes. Um, because owing to your very uh, your tender age, you couldn't play it when it came out. You didn't exist at the time. Nope. So nope. your experience with it is diametrically opposed uh, to mine. Now, I came into it, the first time I was uh, exposed to Mario 64, it was at a branch of Woolworths. I went there with my (laughs) nana. And I remember there was a display model there, and I absolutely begged my nana, please, 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 can we play this? Like, just, just, I I had to play it. Obviously, it wasn't, I don't think it had been released yet, and I think it was, like, a demonstration model about a few months before it came out. So, eventually, the clerk came out, and he spent a good 10 minutes messing about with wires, plugging things in, hooking things up, plugging controls in. A real awful thing to make this poor man do. And then after all that, I literally got to run around in a circle in the castle before my nana said, right, that's enough. We have to go now. Let's leave this poor fella to his job. And I thought, what an absolute waste of time. But from those five seconds I got to run around (laughs) Beach's castle, I knew I had to play this game in its entirety. Whereas for you, you've had 24 years of being told it's 
the best game of all time. It changed the industry. So really, I want to know, did you, could you appreciate the game out of this context? And did you enjoy it generally? What were your general thoughts about Mario 64? See, when I first played it, I had the previous previous experience of Super Mario Galaxy being my favourite game of all time, which is quite eerie to say when I've never played Super Mario 64, which is arguably the key gem of the genre. Um, so I went in thinking that it will be something else. And the first thing I noticed, did, arguably... Did you just interrupt you there? Did you expect it to be similar to Mario Galaxy? I expected it to not have many different features. I expected right. movement to be the same, camera to be the same, everything to be somewhat the same, just with a new ability of so spinning. Basically like a, a primitive version of the games that you'd enjoyed later. Yes. I just thought it would be, what was it, 11 years later? Mario 64, uh, 2007, Mario Galaxy, Galaxy? 2006, I think. 2007, 2006, yeah. So I didn't think in that 10 years that much would have changed. Um, so after playing Mario 64 recently I noticed immediately that the camera and the controls were <laughs> just abysmal however once I got used to it the game was incredible so you were able to overcome those flaws yes. and enjoy it anyway so, so did you did you at the end of it appreciate just why it was special or did you just enjoy it in its own right both 100% both it was obviously a product of its time because it was a well it was brand new wasn't it it was a brand new experience yep. as you said then with wolves but going back um you can see where the, the how the game evolved from that point kind of thing you can see that that is the game which has been evolved from in the following games kind of thing so were you, was there anything about it that surprised you in the way that it presented itself? I know Mario Galaxy and certainly later Mario games have a tendency to hold your hand a lot more, whereas Mario 64 just throws you straight into things. Yeah. yeah. Well, I noticed that immediately with the... I didn't really know about the thing where you're in the castle and you look up towards the sun. Yeah. Uh, the the roof, I guess. The sunroof of well, the castle. Well, I don't, I don't think the game tells you at any point that you even can look... Around. That's what I mean. I had to figure that out myself because it didn't help hold my hand and I didn't know that. And then that then unlocked the uh, wing captain it. And then yeah. I could then play the game further and unlock more stars throughout. So just from one experience of just messing about, I discovered this whole other world within the game. You see, it's it's really interesting the way it speaks of uh, Nintendo, and particularly Shigeru Miyamoto's confidence in the controls and uh, in, in, in the way that Mario moves is that... Um, in that opening area, it doesn't tell you anything. It's just outside of Peach's Castle. It's a very safe area. And basically, they're just throwing you in there and saying, experiment with, with the buttons, yeah. see what you can do, learn how to do it, then uh, then, then use these abilities throughout the game. And and, and, and it's, I think it's that sense of discovery that really contributes to the sense of freedom that we'd never had before, rather than it being really didactic and telling you, this is what you have to do, this is what where you have to jump. And that's why I actually think the caps themselves uh, run contrary to that philosophy of effectively like locked keys that are sort mm -hmm. of probably the weakest parts of the game. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and the camera as well, it's, it is poor, mostly because y you don't have the second analog stick that everybody's yeah, used yeah, to. Yeah. But um, how long did it take for you to get used to that and put that, put that away, put that to one side? Um, <laughs> annoyingly, about halfway through the game. Right, so I, you, so you I, didn't I, enjoy it for a good chunk. I can say that, yes. 
Um, I because I went, I wanted to go for all 120 stars, and I think I got to about TikTok clock, and that's when I realised that I needed to learn these controls because <laughs> See, tick, tick, TikTok clock's one of the last levels in the game. Yes, and that's what yes. I meant. <laughs> so I got all that way throughout the game, and I was like, right, I need to sit down and learn how to play it because obviously, um, one of the stars is uh, getting all the red coins, and doing that with a with a basic knowledge of how to move and how the camera moves is impossible. You need to know how to play the game to get those eight coins. But it's sort of interesting, though, in that the difficulty of a game is adaptive in that you can pick and choose the objectives as you want, and you yes. can skip certain stars. So you could have... Were you trying to gather every star you went through, or were you just through-line into the, the, like, the star barriers on the doors to try and beat the game as soon as possible with the intention of then going back to to gather the rest. Once again, it was a bit of both. With like Bob-omb Battlefield, or how do you say it? Bob-bomb? Bob-bomb? Bob-omb. Yeah, Bob-omb, Bob-omb Battlefield. Um, I wanted to get as many as I could, but then I realised that I couldn't potentially get the, um, the one where I had to shoot through without the winged cap. So yeah. that meant that I had to explore, find the winged cap and go on. So it was kind of just a case of getting amount of stars, getting to the door, unlocking it, carrying on with the game. Then once I'd completed it, I'd go back. Now, what were your issues with the controls? Because this is something that is mentioned quite a lot by people playing Mario 64 out of time. Um, you couldn't... And I found... I'm trying to think. It was moving around in a circle. If you were yeah. stuck down in a circle, you could not do a 360 whilst on the exact same spot, which I'm fairly certain you can do in modern 3D platformers now. But then, if you wanted to do a 360, you had to do a full turn which meant that almost falling off of the edge of the cliff. And it's little things like that I didn't think would be a problem until I did it. See, that was something that was rectified in Mario Sunshine. Yes. Uh, so even Nintendo recognised this was a bit of a problem in Mario's controls. I mm-hmm. think they were going for... Uh, there was a part of the, of the problem was that they were very excited about the new technology, the analogue technology, yep. and the idea of turning in a full circle of it was still novel at the time. Mm-hmm. But also it was a little more realistic, which... I mean, you look at the rest of Mario's moves. They're not exactly realistic. He's doing triple jumps and he's jumping into the sky and he's flying and all sorts of things. But if you've ever tried to turn on a sixpence <laughs> in your yes. house, it is very, it is very difficult. You know, yeah, you yeah. have to stop and turn around. So, you know, there's an element there of, of trying to apply real-world physics to it. But you're quite right. And I'm, I don't recall that being an issue whatsoever when I played it in 1997. I got all 120 stars. There was only uh, one I couldn't get. I had to call Nintendo's helpline for it. <laughs> and the, 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 the woman on the phone, was she She immediately knew. She was like, have you have you got the second star on the slide? And I said, what second star? Oh, you've got to go up the slide, go up the slide. So I made, yeah, she was bang on there. Really helpful. Thank you for that. <laughs> but, uh, but the controls, no, they never, they never bothered me. I actually had great, I think I had great problems with the camera in Banjo-Kazooie, a game which mm. pretty much took everything Mario 64 did and tried to... Um, improve upon it without necessarily bringing anything particularly new to the table mm-hmm. which I also think is ironic because I think Mario Odyssey which came out a couple of years ago and could be considered the first the first true sequel to Mario 64 I think shares a lot more in common with Banjo-Kazooie than it does with Mario 64 now you played Mario Odyssey uh, last year mm-hmm. yeah, and you enjoyed it thoroughly having played Mario 64 afterwards, do you recognise the DNA of Mario 64 within Odyssey? Absolutely. Does, yeah. does that game make any more sense to you now? It... 
I wish I'd played them in the reverse order of 64 and then Odyssey, much like everybody right, else yeah, on the exactly, planet, to be honest. Exactly. Um, one of the key things I noticed immediately was in Odyssey, once you've collected a power moon, you stay in the level and you do not leave the level. Getting a star, and this happened in Sunshine as well, but getting, well, that was. Um, I actually shrine, think Sunshine's, I think Sunshine's worse in this regard. Oh, absolutely, it is. It so, kicks you out every five minutes, and if you get a blue coin, it saves every yes. single <laughs> blue coin, <laughs> which I actually quite like. More getting blue means, coins. I don't. Yeah, I, I like it. I like that it saves. It made me feel secure. It made me feel comfortable. <laughs> that I could turn it off and do other things, which I didn't want to do. Ironically, I wanted to just play it all night. Yeah. But uh, the the thing about kicking up a level that is that is something Banjo Kazooie got right. You'd collect mm-hmm. a jigsaw piece or a jiggy, yeah. as uh, in a words of will smith and um <laughs> and, you'd, and you'd get to continue throughout the world so it, it felt a lot more fluid and a lot more connected now mm-hmm. i've been racking my brains to try and think why mario 64 didn't do this and i've come up with two ideas and i don't know if you, you might disagree you're welcome to the first is that they wanted the levels to evolve uh, as you went through them and you do see in some levels for our slight changes yep. in um Thwomp's fortress the big tower builds yep. up after you kill Thwomp mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of more significant changes than that there aren't many to be honest there's I think there's an eagle that comes in the same level um, yes yes because that's the one what takes you to the star in the little box yeah, which I thought one, had, yeah go on go on, go on sorry no, just, I was just going to say the most notable example of that is in Dire Dire Docks because the submarine disappears yes. after yeah. the first star now I, I don't really know why they couldn't contract the submarines a different matter i don't think they could make that vanish on queue but i don't know why after beating thwomp for example that fortress can't rise up ground i think the n64's capabilities would have allowed for it mm-hmm. so so the actual reason why i think it's that nintendo as confident as they were in the controls and to just let you go at it what had happened with this game is it very much changed the concept of the goals of progression whereas previously it was a case of getting from a to b getting to the flag at the end complete level now it was throwing you out there and saying choose your own objective from a number of them so i think nintendo thought we need to give the player some sort of guidance here so we'll have stars with separate names mm-hmm. and obviously to see the other clues they have to come out for level so i think it's i actually think it's quite a bit it's a scruffy solution and i don't necessarily think it's a solution i think they could have just had a list of stars yeah it, but you know it's hindsight and it's something that banjo kazooie rectified and as you say mario odyssey absolutely rectified it yeah and i think it's a better game for it I think going on that point as well, there was a um, thing in Formance Fortress where you had to destroy a wall to get mm. a star. I had absolutely no clue how to do that. I, I well, So we'll in a little while, we'll get on to your favourite and least favourite stars. I actually think that might be one of the but, worst ones in the game. But going on from that point, how you said how each level was named after a certain star, for example. For mm-hmm. ages, it was, I can't remember what the star was exactly called, but it was probably like <laughs> Break the Wall. I think it's even more obscure than that. I think it's chip off the old block. It was that, yes. Yeah. And for ages, I was just like, I honestly don't know. And then there was a See, cannon, and then chip off the old block. Of course, it makes sense now. now. Chip off the old block, that's that's an interesting piece of localization because that's obviously a little idiom that we understand in English. Yeah. But what it, what it means is it's like, like father, like son. Now, yeah. you've just killed a giant thwomp. So it's, it's natural <laughs> to assume I need to kill some of his little kids <laughs> to get the star. Like Mario just... just Performing mass genocides who are Rick race, but no, you have to. What you have to actually do for people who aren't aware is um, you have to cannon yourself into the side of uh, the platform to make it break, and it reveals a star, which is odd because there's not much in the way of breakable objects. Yeah. Otherwise, and there is on that level though. There's a, there's a hidden life 
under the fortress that you can punch your way through to find. Oh, didn't know that. Well, just a little secret there. Don't don't tell anyone. That's between yeah. you and me. <laughs> so we we talked about the controls earlier. Now, and we also talked about the progression <laughs> and how we wanted to be more open. The one exception to that is in the Bowser gauntlets, where basically you're going from point A to point B to really focus you on the battle coming ahead. Now, this is something the, these sort of linear levels would be revisited again in floodless levels of Mario Sunshine, Yeah, uh, you know, in the void spaces. And but pretty much, ironically, as techno technology improved, it formed the basis of Mario Galaxy and Mario Galaxy 2, where the just sort of contextless... Um, courses to the end the and then and then mario 3d world took it in a different direction with a fixed camera angle so it was sort of interesting that that fixed camera angle was originally the view uh, was originally the plan for mario 64 but it was only when i think sega had patents on a fixed camera like that that they decided to go with the complete freedom of movement do you think it's interesting that the series has gradually sort of devolved into something a lot more linear and a lot more direct and can you understand the reasons why well, I, I do remember because obviously the control, well, the controllers for um, Mario Galaxy was, you know, a thing, wasn't it? With a wheel yeah. and a nunchuck, it was a whole thing in itself. And once again, it was stuck with the one analog stick. Like they pretty much went back in time with that control setup. See, I, I, I remember that c controlling the camera in Mario Galaxy was even more cumbersome than that's, Mario 60. That's what I'm about to say, because you had to press up on the D-pad, and that's when you'd go first-person mode. And it was somewhat of a fixed camera, but you could occasionally look where you wanted um, and occasionally uh, move it at, like, I think it was about 30-degree whatevers. It was um, very odd. It was just strange. It was a very strange choice, uh, Mario Galaxy's camera. Um, so and it, it felt like a de-evolution from, I guess, the previous ones, really. Which, and then I thought Mario 3D World was even more so, as it took you a complete fixed camera with just linear courses, very much in the 3D land style. Yeah. And I, and I can't really understand why, as technology improved, Nintendo gradually became less confident in the abilities <laughs> of their user base to just yeah. go in there and play and enjoy it, which is very much the philosophy of Mario 64. But it's something that they did refine in Mario Odyssey. Can I just ask a quick point? But with 3D Land, obviously there was a fixed camera for a reason, and that was from the 3DS's capabilities. Yeah. But because 3D World was the true sequel to that game, do you not think that the camera was based like that purely to keep it the same as Land, as 3D Land? I do. I think I'm not. I can't really understand necessarily. Yeah, they wanted to have some coherency between 3D Land and 3D World. Yeah. But they didn't have to make 3D World. You know, that was their decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. They could have just made the full-on Super Mario 64 sequel that people had been asking for since yeah. 1996, which we didn't get until in a couple of years later. And I think it it could have really helped the Wii U go forward. It might have just been the thought, you know what, we, this console, we've made such a hash of marketing it. We won't, <laughs> we won't waste our really good ideas on it. We'll yeah. just do something... No, that's already been done before. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Now, speaking of things that had already been done before, um, when Mario 64 was in development, the way it started is that on the SNES, uh, Nintendo were working with a company called Argonaut, who had introduced the Super FX chip that featured in games such as um, Stunt Race FX and Starwing, or Star Fox, as it was called in America. Yeah. And Shigeru Miyamoto looked at this and he considered, could he possibly make a fully 3D Mario game using it? And his original idea, I think he wanted to do something like a in like a toy box with toy trains and models or something like that, but it, it never really came to fruition. Now, yeah. there's a piece of video game apocrypha that suggests that Argonaut, this comes from a man called uh, Jez Sam, he said he was working on a 3D Yoshi game, which okay. was abandoned, and then Nintendo stole to make Mario 64, and then Argonaut went away and made a game on the PlayStation called Croc, Legend of Gobbles, yeah. which, you know... They've made something that looks like a dinosaur. We might as well make it into a crocodile. That's easier than doing a completely new character. So, uh, that, that story, I, I do believe it is nonsense. Bez bollocks. Would you even consider Yoshi as a big IP at that point? Well, po possibly because he'd just been the star of Super Mario World 2. Yeah, Yoshi Island. Comes, but yeah. but, but, but it, it wouldn't have been Yoshi without Mario. I just can't imagine that for a big 3D platform game, they would have 
tested the waters with Yoshi, and indeed they didn't because they released Mario 64, which was, it did have Yoshi, and we'll get on to that, but it, it was all Mario. But the point here is that Croc came out on the PlayStation in 90, 1997, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's unfair to say it was vastly inferior to the game that it supposedly birthed. Now, not necessarily Croc, but having played other PlayStation platforms at the time, such as Crash Bandicoot or Spyro, yeah. Um, do you feel like any of them ever came close to Mario 64? And having now played Mario 64 after them, yeah. do you understand like how long people had to wait just to get something that even came close to it? Well, the reason I never played Mario 64 growing up was because I it's grew up... because you weren't alive. Not only that, but it's because I grew up with a PlayStation. So yeah, as I'm... a lot of people did, because it was a vastly yes. more popular console. It was, yeah. Um, especially in the UK, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but So I grew up with the Spyros, the Crashes, the Ratchet and Clanks, and the whatnots. Um, but it was only until I played Spyro and Crash remakes, really, that I can really add to this opinion. And the games were good... But nothing, it just doesn't compare at all to Super Mario 64. I didn't enjoy well, I guess, get as yeah, much enjoyment out of those. If, if you went back, back to them now as well, would you find them even more maybe inane or rote or perhaps just lacking in, in originality? Yeah, I would 100% so, say so. I, I, I know there's a lot of ardent Spyro fans out there. I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed Spyro, but yeah, I enjoyed yeah, it yeah. because it was effectively a new Mario 64 game. Yeah. I didn't think it brought anything fresh to the table. I thought Ape Escape. Uh, was the first game on the PlayStation to truly uh, match the quality of Mario 64. And it did it, and, and, and it was helped by the gimmick of the dual analog sticks mm-hmm. um, having like real a real impact on the way it controlled. But then again, we went back into like Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank. Very good games, but stuff that we'd seen before, you know, there's nothing that was really improving on that formula. Even Banjo-Kazooie, it did, it, I would say, refined the formula, but didn't add anything. Yeah. See, I, personally, I think one thing that Ratchet and Clank added, and this weapons, bi- not only weapons, and I feel like this might be biased because I really enjoyed that game growing up, but it was the story. I actually quite enjoyed the story of Ratchet and Clank. Well, yeah, okay, so that is definitely a, a, an area in which Mario 64 is weak. So yeah. <laughs> you, you know the plot of Mario 64. Yeah, it's, yeah. everybody it's, does. It, well, he's just going for a cake this time around, isn't he? Well, so he says, but this, this has always bothered me because the. Princess Peach's castle does not have a kitchen. I've explored <laughs> that castle back and forth. It's 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 horrendously decorated. Quite honestly, they'd need to get someone in in sort that out. It's uh, like imagine that on changing rooms. Would be absolutely devastated. The um, it's got far too many paintings, far too many staircases. It's not very accessible at all. It's got a lovely garden, although it's haunted, so it's not ideal. <laughs> uh, the cellar's flooded. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a bit it's, of a mess, really, isn't it? It's a shambles. It's dilapidated. But it, it absolutely does not have a kitchen. So this cake, it's it's in the great tradition of games. It is a lie. Yeah. Now, <laughs> just talking about unless Castle, Bowser wrote that letter, of course. Well, I've wondered about this. Now, do you know who voiced that letter? Um, who who Peach? Yeah. I don't know then, but I know now that it's the same voice as Cortana off of Halo. But I don't know who it was then. Well, this was Leslie Swan, who she was the editor of Nintendo Power magazine. Okay. And she she also wrote all the English dialogue, including you know the old chip off the block. <laughs> I, I just love the idea that they just said, right, you're well, you around. Know, you, you can, you know, can you remember what she says? Can you do your best impression? Absolutely not. Dear Mario, please <laughs> come to my castle. I've baked a cake for you, Peach. It's the first time she's ever referred to as Peach in a mainline Mario game as well. 
Yes. Yeah, I don't know if that's was the, it just Princess Toadstool beforehand? Princess Toadstool, yeah, which is uh, yeah, it's not a great name, but I don't I don't know if I, I don't know if Peach is a nickname based on some physical characteristic of hers, or if it's her first name. I won't speculate on that. But just <laughs> getting back to the castle now, the castle is arguably has arguably as much personality and as much to find and discover as the levels themselves. Um, and I and I think the castle it also really set the template for what a hub world should be in the game. Mm-hmm. And it's got, it's got so much personality. Did you enjoy running around the castle as much as you did the levels? Yes, 100%. I struggled getting all of the stars within the castle grounds because I didn't realise that You should have rung was... the Nintendo hotline. I should have. Admittedly, I don't think they're still up. Um, and admittedly, there was one thing. I only cheated, uh, quote-unquote, once. And that was with the... I'll tell you what, it might have been with the, doing the slide again. Because I had absolute no, it was the bunny getting the bunny again in the basement. I'd already got him once. I didn't realise there'd be another star hidden behind getting him a, th- a second time. Um, but things like that, exploring and stuff, it was just a very fun experience. Yeah, that um, bunny, by the way, just uh, it's called Mips, which was well, the name of the N64 processor, which is just <laughs> nice, isn't it? Like that's oh. a reference that a lot of people would get. <laughs> uh, do you have any any favourite levels or least favourite levels? Favourite um, stars? After spending roughly five and a half decades on TikTok Clock, I'd probably have to throw that in did as my favourite. How long did it take you to work out that you could adjust the speed of the mechanics depending on the time? Uh, far too long, because I thought <laughs> I thought my game was broken when I saw that one le- one time the things spun at one million miles per hour, and then the next time they just wouldn't work. And I thought, oh, jeez, I've broke the game. Turns out, nope, I just went in at ten past two and then uh, <laughs> broke the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I also I like TikTok Clock because of that novel that little gimmick about it. I thought it was annoying going up the same uh, little vertical gauntlet every time, but I actually find it really interesting. What's Rainbow Road it just it can do one quite honestly. And oh, yeah, all, Road, all yeah. the, le- the levels in the basement, um Shifting Sandland I I, I despise. Yeah. Big. Lethal Lava Land. Now you probably like that as someone who used to work watching fires for a living. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, my hometown is based on a fire. But um <laughs> Yes, I'd say the inside of that pyramid was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the outside of the pyramid, I don't really care for because I ch- trying it's, to get the, up those towers when the sand sinks you in every time and you get booted out. Yeah, it's the instant death, isn't it? That's yeah. another thing. When you die, the level it kills you. The lives. I don't really know what purpose for serve. It's like this is the first game where the concept of lives and game overs really didn't mean anything so much yeah. as just having to watch a tedious cutscene and run back to where you were. And it's something that. Bizarrely, Nintendo stuck with in Mario Galaxy and Mario Galaxy 2. And it wasn't until Odyssey that they finally ditched the concept of lives and just gave you a penalty from your coins, which is actually yeah. meaningful because you spend the coins on nice hats. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, yeah. so there's an incentive not to die other than that it's boring. Yeah. But could um, they have not have got rid of the live, like the lives gimmick from Super Mario Bros., the original one? Because it was no longer an arcade machine. So, why did we I, need lives then? I understand that because the game would be very short otherwise and I think right, okay, the idea yeah. is to try and yeah. elongate it. With Mario 64 is a game you're not going to finish it in one sitting. You definitely get your money's worth regardless of whether you die or don't die. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just think it's an old school mentality that it took them a long, long, long time to get out of. Well, going on a short, tiny bit of a tangent, but Super Mario Sunshine last night I played the um, what was it? The Plinko Machine level? The Pachinko? That one. Yes. Oh, no, it's, a, it's Bagatelle, isn't it? It's where that, you're yeah. bouncing around the little pins, yeah. yeah. Gee, that was not fun oh, it's at horrendous. all. And <laughs> I lost all of my lives. I'd have to go back. I'd have to get onto not, a little... Not, yeah. not, 
not Go only on. can can you fall down the wrong thing, but you can fall out the front of the machine if you're not Yeah, it, it just seemed like it was very poorly designed, that entire level. There's a couple of them like that in Sunshine. It's like I real... felt the entire game was a bit, you know, but oh, that's... Well, what's, what's, what's a lovely holiday to a sun-kissed beach without some horrible argument in the middle of it that makes you want to go home, you know? <laughs> yeah. Really captured, captured that element of the vacation very well. Yeah. Just to run through a couple of bits of trivia before we wrap up. Um, Charles Martinet, this is the first time he voiced yep. Mario. Yep. Uh, do your best Mario impression? Nope. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Wahoo. Yeah, very good. And, uh, I think it was only around 15 people worked on this game. Now, imagine that we have... 15? About between 15 and 20, I think. So that's about the same amount of people who appear on our What Culture Game in quizzes. Yes. And we think about the cultural contribution of those 15 people. In comparison, it does make you wonder just what you're doing in life, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, Did you manage to get all 120 stars? I did in the end, yes. And unlocking Yoshi on the Roof. Right. And you get an utterly, utterly pointless reward. Of Yoshi on the Roof, yes. Yeah, but he also gives you 99 lives. Oh, yes. You can do... Nothing with yes. <laughs> because you completed the game. I forgot about that. That's how good it was, yeah. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people were hoping, like, is there some secret here that if I get if I get all the all the stars, I meet Yoshi, is there a way we can play as Luigi? Luigi, yeah. And for years and years and years, mm-hmm. the rumors persisted that somehow Luigi uh, can be playable in the game. There's that uh, plaque in the garden where yeah, it, says, I think it says, yeah, it says Eternal Star, I think, but a lot of people think, think it says Luigi is real 2049 or something like that. L is real, which, you know, it's just nonsense. It's just a blurry yeah. text. However, eventually, Mario 64, when it was sort of remade for the DS in 2005, did give you the chance to play as Luigi. Yeah. Uh, did you play the DS remake? I did. Um, I played an awful lot of it last week, and I don't know, it's just as it's a good port it shows off the DS's capabilities but once again the camera was an issue they should have waited until the th- probably the 3DS the 3DS See, have an analog yeah. stick well that's the thing for me it, it took Mario 64 reduced it on a small screen but took away the one thing that made Mario 64 so good which was the controls now originally right. you could either use the D-pad or you could use a very bizarre little like it was like a thumb uh, sheet sheath that you held your thumb on the touch screen and you wiggled it around to move Mario. Not not ideal. And it wasn't until, as you say, the 3DS when that game actually came into its own. So it's because of that. We Still today, I don't think we've had a true Super Mario 64 remake that is play, like that is as good as the original anyway or as playable for, or palatable for a modern audience. Yeah. But we've heard rumours that on the Switch, Nintendo might release all the Mario 3D Mario games as part of a collection. For the 30th and 35th anniversary of Mario? Yeah, 35th, yeah. 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 If that was to happen, mm-hmm. would you like them to be presented in the purest form with no changes? Or would you like to see Mario 64 altered in some way? And if so, how would you like to see it change? Now, I actually thought about this one. Um, in Mario Kart 8, you mm-hmm. can play on the TikTok clock level uh, which i'm presuming was made on the ds i think it was that track either way that track is stunning there's clocks everywhere it's just a really good it looks just visually incredible and now thinking of a mario 64 game that looks as good as mario kart 8 (laughs) might be something else or maybe or maybe one that looks as good as mario odyssey (laughs) (laughs) well you could compare it to that yes yeah um but yeah, I think it would be something else to have a proper remake. And obviously, in Mario Odyssey, a uh, bit of a spoiler, but at the end, you could play in Pe- uh, Peach's Castle. 
having those graphics and that gameplay and all of that kind of stuff would be incredible. Just porting so, Mario Odyssey into the Mario 64 levels. That so you basically like to see the whole game rebuilt in a mo- modern engine? Or, or would you maybe just rather see the controls adjusted slightly? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't I, it? It's a difficult one for me because I'm, I'm such so interested in gaming preservation that I want people to experience a game as it was meant to be played. Yeah. So they can form a, a fairer opinion on it. But I also want people to enjoy it, and I want to enjoy it again, maybe in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. No, see, I've got a slight, once again, a slight tangent on that. Can you remember when... Have you played the Halo series at all? Yes, I've played the first two. Yes, well, Halo Combat Evolve was remade, um, the multiplayer, using Halo Reach. So all of the maps were in Halo Reach, kind of thing, which, whatever, which is a story in itself. But that didn't have the same feel as the original, and thus not as good. So I've kind of devalued my own previous point of saying that if they just did Mario Odyssey's engine for this... It won't be as good again. So, so you've, 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 you've convinced yourself. I've just convinced myself in a second that I shouldn't really. We shouldn't really do that, should we? <laughs> <laughs> I've learned from previous mistakes from the Halo games that that probably is not a good idea. See, one of the most interesting things for me about Mario 64 is that the N64 itself was delayed so Shigeru Miyamoto could finish this game. <laughs> right. Now, okay. You can't imagine that ever happening now. Now you just think about how long it's taking us to ever get the game remade. Now, Miyamoto famously said that a delayed game will come out eventually, mm-hmm. but a bad game will be bad forever. forever except, yeah. except for Mario 64 DS, which eventually became good on the 3DS. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know how that necessarily relates, I just think it's interesting. I think maybe Nintendo should, maybe they should hold off on remaking it. Maybe it's, it's perfect as it is. He spent all that time then doing it just right with the hardware, and it shouldn't be recontextualized to, to, to modern hardware, other than as a history piece. I don't know. Maybe that's just how I feel about it. Well, what's stopping them from doing the thing that we're paying every single year to get a subscription to play virtual console games? Why don't they that's, actually that's, that's, <laughs> that, is a very, that is a very, very good question. I don't yeah. think it's ever been ported. to... I think it was on the Wii. It was, it's been on the mod. It's been console. on the Wii and... The it was on the Wii as well? Yeah. Okay, so on two of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but not on the Switch, because there's currently no N64 games at For all. For some baffling reason, no. Which, you've got to think there's going to be at some point. It, Rather... Must... Seems like every two months to just uh, like just randomly drop some obscure Japanese ex- like exclusive Japanese uh, shoot 'em up. Yeah, <laughs> like for he's the SNES emulator. Yeah, which yeah. which I appreciate, but it's you know it's not what people want. But is there a reason that they're delaying the Nintendo sixty four one so they can port these games over with an official well, sixty remake? It might be they might have eyes on a mini N sixty four, or they might be planning this big compilation as we've discussed. We'll wait and see. Who knows what Nintendo don't do things. Uh, the way other people would think. Yeah, yeah. Just, just do things at random and on whims. Yeah. So just as we wrap things up, I just want to ask one question, and it's an eternal question that has been plaguing Mario 64 uh, players since 1996. What does Mario say when he catapults Bowser into those bombs? Uh, so long, King Bowser. So long, King Bowser. Interesting. Is, is it not? I always thought it was so long, dear Bowser. God but, knows. I've got a new one there. So anyway, I think... <laughs> What's the answer that, to that, that question? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The debate ah. will rage for another day. And ah, fair If you want to play Mario 64 today, as we mentioned, there's, there's a few options, not many. You can either... You can obviously get an N64 and some uh, the legacy card, or you can get the, uh, the DS remake, which I don't recommend. Or you can play it on the Wii, or the Wii U's virtual console, if those are still available. I think there's a... I think there's an obscure console that came out in China called the IQ 
bad huh. uh, N64 games on it as well. So if you can get your hands on one of those, brilliant. Although more than likely, you won't be able to. But anyway, for now, I really hope you've enjoyed this first podcast. You can let us know what you think at hashtag uh, WCGP. And likewise, if you have any suggestions for games or consoles that you'd like to hear covered in future episodes, or if you'd like us to just stop doing them altogether. Um, James, do you have any socials that you'd like to plug? Uh, my, you on yeah, Twitter? my Twitter's my Instagram's. It's James Douse with an extra E at the end. Yeah, it's not worth it, I'll say. But anyway, I'm not really bothered about that. You can just type my name in and Google if you want. But anyway, <laughs> for now, that's it. Have a lovely day and goodbye. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.